0: Paul was no stranger to the full vocabulary of the Latin and the Greek, and yet he chose this word through the spirit to to instruct us in a tenet, in a a, a necessity of the church, and that is to be be built up. We can ask ourselves, whose job is it? To edify, and uh, we might immediately say, "Well, e- elders, visiting speakers—it's easy to point the finger at others. That's that's their job. My job is to be to be edified." But in fact, the more I look into it, you know, the more shame it brought upon me, because it's something that I neglect. I hope, hopefully, not all of you do as well. But the edification of one another, the building up of one another and we're going to look at a lot of scriptures in this, is it is is tantamount to having a testimony. Because a body of believers that is knit together in love, that is built up together and not tearing one another down, not deteriorating, not destroying, but in building up is to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything short of that is to his shame. Anything short of building one another up is to the shame of the Lord Jesus. It's a shame to bear his name if we don't lift one another up, build one another up, strengthen one another, encourage one another, teach and exhort. And there's so many, so many other uh, actions that we can do. Fellowship is so important. How are we going to build one another up without fellowship? And we're going to look at... at uh, at many of the characteristics of this. So again, to build up, Dave says, well, Bob, you know something about building. Not a lot, but you know, I don't know, 25 years worth of experience. I don't know. And he says, you know, you can say, what, what does it take to build something up, you know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Half of the things I build fall down. No. <laughs> no, you know, you begin at the base. Okay, let's say I'm gonna build something small. I'm gonna build A storage building. You know, let's not go extravagant by building a mansion or a or a church or a you know skyscraper. But let's just do something simple. Like let's build a storage building. There are many ways of building it. There's really one right way of building it, but there's many ways of building it. You can just say a dirt is fine. I'm going to put the wood on the dirt. You know, I'm going to nail the wood together. I I have a hammer, nail, and a handsaw, and you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You don't have a level, you don't have a string line, you don't, have, you, know, you don't have different things like this. But ultimately what you're gonna do is you're gonna start with a foundation, aren't you? And there are, you know, if you're in the trades, you know there are multiple types of foundations. There's raised foundations, there's, there's grade beams, there's slabs, there's all kinds of things. You gotta start out with a foundation. A foundation is critical in every possible way. If I'm gonna make a simple square building 20 by 20 I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna lay out a 20 by 20 grid. And I should probably check and see if my string lines are square. I should probably do that, because it won't affect my walls, but I guarantee you, when I go to lay the plywood on the lid, on the on the roof, I am I am jacked. <laughs> I am a mess. Another thing I need to do, I need to make sure it's level. I need to make sure it's level. Now, the level will affect the walls, which will affect the ceiling, which will affect everything else. Your windows will go in sideways. You know, the foundation is critical. Without a good foundation, you cannot have a good building. I have had to fix bad foundations. And what I end up doing is I make one wall shorter than the other because the slab was not, the slab was not level. We've all done that. I mean, while well, those that are in the trades, you've had, you've had to work around these things. But it is not ideal, it's not what you want to do. So you start with a good foundation. In the scripture we read that the Lord Jesus laid the foundation in his body on the tree. He gave us all we need for life and godliness. And not slipshod, not halfway, he gave us perfect, the perfect foundation and all we need. And he gave to his holy apostles. He promised them on the night of his betrayal, he says, And when the Spirit comes to you, he will bring all these things to your remembrance. He will lead you into all truth. And so the Lord Jesus, through his his body on the tree, through his apostles, through his holy word, has laid a perfect foundation on which to build. Each of us are members of that building. Each of us is a, you know, we talk about fitly, fitly shaped stones. One upon the other. The foundation is crucial. Now, let's say I build this building. I start off, I've got a good foundation, I build the building. <clears throat> Simple, but it's a building. It's got a good roof on it, it sheds water. It's water, I put a coat of paint on it, the door operates, the slab's flat, I can now store things in it. I can then walk away from it and come back in 20 years and I can see that the roof has fallen off, if, not, if the wind hasn't blown it off, the roof is deteriorated, the paint is peeling the window may be broken. The, the hinges are squeaking. Uh, there, might be a, there might even be a crack in the foundation if I didn't prepare it well. So I walk away for 20 years. I have neglected the building. I have neglected it. I could come back in 20 years and with a bulldozer or just a bunch of guys with hammers and I can destroy that building. Or I can lovingly maintain that building, I can build it up. I can make it stronger. I can make it more efficient. I can make it more useful. I can make it more beautiful by edifying that building. I could add some decorative fascia board. I could put on a better roof. I could put on nicer paint. I could put carpeting inside. I could put stained glasses. I could, I could do many things. But it requires an effort and it requires input on the part of the builder to finish, to perfect an edifice, a building. The edifice of which we speak is the body, the local body and the universal body of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it is neglected, it will deteriorate just like everything else. If it is beat upon, if it is denigrated, it will suffer. Therefore, you know, and I think, I don't know if the Apostle Paul thought in these identical terms, I thought, I think he thought more in terms of a good stone building, you know, and a finished, beautiful stone building of whom the Lord Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. But it was with those things in mind, that we look at the edification of the believer and of the body. Um, Before we begin, I want to read a section that I think is very apropos, and it's one of the early, early sections in this, and it's Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, there's a few verses in particular, but it's a beautiful passage that speaks of a local church and of issues it may have had, it talks about a church that has both mature believers, believers that have received from the Lord a certain liberty. There are others that perhaps were immature, and they don't feel the same liberties, but he goes on, but the chapter is so good, and it, 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 it could apply to Claremont, it could apply to the church in general, it could apply to to individuals we know. Let's look at chapter 14 of Romans. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemed one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself... And no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. This is an important point when we think about edification. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably or in love. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Read that again. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not points to be argued. But the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy, Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth God is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us, therefore, follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Let's read that again. Let us, therefore, follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify or build up another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but, if, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense, It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. A beautiful passage here. Paul in no way says that sin is excusable. He does not say that in any way. He's talking about areas in the believer's life where there is a a variety of liberty. In this day and age, one of the most common things that we might think of is that some brothers and sisters enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. Others believe that there is no reason for it. Neither is right, neither is wrong. But if if our public actions cause the other to stumble, that is sin. That is sin. Whether you are a strong teetotaler and you condemn the brother that enjoys a glass of wine, it is sin unto that teetotaler. And vice versa. If you flaunt your liberty before the other, that is sin as well. Paul is eloquently stating here, that the heart of the issue is not the liberty, but it is how you, how you act in faith before your God. Whether you have a clean conscience, whether you're stumbling, there's consequences and there's privilege. And he goes on, but his, his point is from 18 down, for he that in these things... Serveth Christ, is acceptable to God and approved of men. Verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Let us avoid, and we can think of the the other epistles, you know, vain disputations. This has been the history of the church. It's unfortunately been the history in the assemblies as well. The people split hairs on non-essentials. And that may sound very progressive, because I, you know, I, as most good PBs, we believe there are essential doctrines. And then there are other doctrines of conduct. And then there are other doctrines of conscience. There are doctrines of propriety. But Paul reminds us that, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. This is his introduction, I believe, to the doctrine of edification. When we think about edifying, <clears throat> I looked at it like a, uh, like a journalist, like a reporter. You know, you ask the, the four W, the five W's and the H, who, what, where, when, why, how? And I asked myself, well, who then is to edify? Well, I'm going to just start at the beginning you cannot edify yourself. You cannot edify yourself. If we are looking to ourselves and our wisdom and our understanding and our intellect for self edification, we are building upon a foundation of sand without any anchor, without any any hope, Of being built up in the faith. Acts 20, 30, 32. Let's look at Acts 20, 32. Acts 20, 32 says, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Who then is to edify? We begin with I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that spirit manifest in the word of God is able to edify. If, God forbid, we were isolated somewhere and we had only the word of God, we still have the availability to be edified through his spirit, through his word. And we would do that through diligent study, through prayer, through uh, worship of our our creator, of our Lord. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is able to edify. Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter four. See if there's anyone else that can edify. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 say, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And other than the apostles, he's speaking about early church conver- Converts. He's talking about laymen that have grasped hold on the salvation offered by the Lord Jesus Christ and have been gifted by the Spirit to teach, to exhort, and to edify the saints. So therefore, these apostles, these prophets, these evangelists, these pastors and teachers, it shows us that the leaders, our elders, our deacons, our visiting speakers, those that we look up to for teaching for preaching, for edification. They are to be looked to for edification. It is their responsibility to edify the body. Let's look at another one. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And we'll read from 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all for to whom is given by the spirit for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Verse seven says, the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or to profit each other, every one. So it is the duty, it is responsibility, it is natural that a believer who is now a new creation in Christ who has now been freed of the power of sin, if not the presence of sin, it is expected, it is natural that he, through the Spirit, help to build up one another. I don't think the early church had much of a problem as it spread like wildfire, wildfire, encouraging and edifying one another. It's far less common today. So who is to edify? Everyone except me. (laughs) Everyone except me, because that's too hard. That's too hard. I've been given the gift of edification via criticism. Ask my children, they will tell you. I can build up Scotty through criticism. (laughs) And my other children will affirm as well. But much to my shame, to do things, to make peace, to lead in love, to edify, in the spirit, does not come naturally to me. And it may not come naturally to some of you. But it is, it is essential. It is essential. And the nursery for this is your own home. I, on occasion, edify my wife via criticism. No. <laughs> no, I, I occasionally, I get a smile or a tear from my wife because I, 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 have, I have built her up. I've also gotten a look of hurt from her because I've torn her down. Or I have neglected her. I have failed to edify, which is my job as a husband. It is to edify my wife. It is my job as a father to edify, to build up my children. Number one, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but also in conduct, in appearance, in um the various the the various um types that we like to see in a young believer, and it's so easy to neglect because in our pride and pride is a pride's a big word it really doesn't sound bad does it pride it doesn't sound like fornication it doesn't sound like you know some of these other sins, theft or. Pride. Pride's a big one. That's number one on the list, isn't it? Six things the Lord hates. and yea, yea, seven are an abomination to him. Number one on the list is a proud look. Number one on the list. And through pride, we write people off. I write people off. I could, ed- I could, I could through the Spirit, edify that person, encourage, lift up. Speak a timely word in season. But it's so much easier for me to write them off because they're hopeless. They are stupid and they are hopeless. You know why? And I mentioned this before. And it's you know why? It's because my eyes are here. My eyes are here. My eyes are not there. When my eyes are out here, it's easy to be proud. When my eyes are in the world, it's easy to be proud. When my eyes are up, I fall to my knees in humility. And so there's the challenge: Who's to edify? We're all responsible. How do we edify? <clears throat> well, of course, it's uh, taking the platform. That's how we edify. <laughs> no, that is not how we edify. That's not how we edify. I'll say this: This morning, we were under the the ministry of the word from Rex. I don't know about you, but I thought it was fantastic. I thought his it was moving, it was sincere, it, it lifted up the Lord Jesus, it showed his effect on his loved ones. And afterwards, I went up to him, I said, brother, that was, that was so good. I said, you laid it out so simply, yet so deeply. And he said, brother, I appreciate that. And I said, Rex, I'll be praying for you this week. And he says, you know, I'm going to be praying for you tonight when you're speaking. That's edification. Was there, I mean, did he open the scriptures and propound doctrine to me? No, that was a word of encouragement. That was so beautiful. We're running out of time, but there's, <clears throat> there are verses that go with each of these. I'm going to just... How do we edify? And there's a verse that goes with each one, with with sensitivity. And we can look at some of these verses, but just to make sure we cover them all. Unselfishness, opposite of pride. We'll look at that one, Romans 15. Romans 15, the first three verses. Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong and ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. The Lord in utter selflessness He bore our infirmities to lift us up. And when we edify one another, it must not be in pride. Boy, it's so easy to pull a young brother aside and say, hey, Scott, you know, I liked what you said in Sunday school, but uh, let me straighten you out on a couple points you missed. That is not selfless and loving way of building up a brother or sister. Use the Lord Jesus as your example. We can we are to edify one another in love. First Corinthians eight, verse one. First Corinthians eight one. <clears throat> now as touching things offered unto idols, we know the, that we have we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but charity, but love edifies. Love builds up. What does it say? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I can puff up a balloon so it looks impressive, but it's just hot air. But love builds up in truth, in sincerity. So, through unselfishness, through respect, through love, we can edify with our gifts. We should all know our gifts. We edify with our hope that hope, that hope not only of eternal security, but that hope of being changed and being with Christ and being like Christ forever at his feet. This morning, Rex reminded us of Mary at the feet of the Lord Jesus. You think that was work for her? You think that was painful to be at the feet of her Lord? No, it was a joy. It was a joy for her. And everyone that left the room that day walked out the door smelling of that beautiful, beautiful perfume. And I would think that the Lord, who had been coated with it, he bore that fragrance all the way through the week to the very cross. It was on Mary herself. And even those that rejected the Lord, Judas was there that day. That scent went out on him. The Lord loved him and sought for him to come to him. And he chose not, even though he had been in that very presence, seen the same eyes of love that Mary had seen, felt the same feelings as that aroma filled the room. And yet he walked away from it. Ephesians four. We'd already read the uh, uh, <clears throat> read the chapter. With our words, we are to edify. And then finally, uh, Acts nine thirty one. Acts nine thirty one. There's another way. I'm sure there are there are others that I missed, <clears throat> but nine thirty one. We can edify as the church. Uh, Paul. As Paul's returning to Tarsus, there was a period where the persecutions were lifted. Verse 31 says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were were multiplied or greatly multiplied. With their walk, they edified one another. Walking in the fear of the Lord. And another word for walking in the fear of the Lord would be in our daily walk, in our testimony, in our appearance before unbelievers. In the words we use, in the things we do, that's our walk before the world. We can edify one another and we can draw other men, other women, other boys and girls to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. So how do we edify? We, we do it biblically, we do it scripturally, we do it through the spirit, spirit, but knowing that it is impossible. I don't care how saintly a person may be. I don't care if you're Mother Teresa or Gandhi or whoever. You are not gonna edify the saints, no matter how soft your words and how well your intentions, unless you have been changed from within by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood, by his death on the cross. There's going to be a lot of wonderful people that stand before the judgment seat and are told, depart from me. I never knew you. When ought we to to edify? When ought we to edify? We're going to race through here. We're on the last page. When ought we to edify? And I filled in my answer on Sundays. We're to edify on Sundays. Sundays we have more opportunity. And if I'm feeling froggy, uh, Wednesday nights as well. I might come out Wednesday night for a little edification. Um, no, that's not the case. As needed. That's, that was what I scratched it out. I, I filled in as needed. When do we edify? When should we seek to edify one another? As needed. When I see a problem, when there's a problem with my wife or my sons or my daughter or or someone, if I see a problem, that is when I step forward, and that's when I edify. So, as needed, that's what I filled in, and I, and, and no, I got a red, I got a red slash on that one. When you're led, that would be a good one. I will, I will edify, and I will make myself available to be edified when I feel led of the Spirit. Okay, I can scratch that one off. When are we to edify? When are we to build one another up? We're to do it always. At home, at work, at school, in the meeting, in fellowship, at the grocery store, wherever we may be. On vacation. On vacation, we're away from all the saints. Let's have some fun. <clears throat> always. For. And this, this brings to mind, or brought to my mind, the necessity for fellowship of the saints. I am not going to be built up on my own. And I, just, I know it. I need the fellowship of the saints. I need, I need, there is something about the activity of the Holy Spirit when we're in communion, when we're in fellowship, when we gather together to worship, when we gather together to study, when we gather together just in Christian fellowship. So the necessity is that we do this always. And then why would we want to edify one another? Why would we want to do that? I think you're all fine just the way you are. To be honest with you, you're you're near perfect, practically perfect in every way. Why should we seek to edify one another? Well, for for one reason, uh, we cannot edify ourselves. And as I mentioned before, to whom should we look, for an example, as an edifier? Well, we can look to the Apostle Paul. He bit his tongue at times that he not offend someone and rather, in a letter, in love, sent words of edification to a believer or to, or to a local church. Why should we do it? As I mentioned before, it is for God's glory. It is for the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not edify one another, we are a, we are a shame to this earth. We are a shame. We are crumbling ruins, is what we are, rather than being a holy temple built up. We are a shame. I was thinking of the typical Roman arch. <clears throat> you know the Roman arch. It's, it's way well, you, you look at some of the California missions, you'll see the, the typical Roman arch. You see the aqueducts going across Italy, you know, 150 feet tall these huge Roman arches, what these arches are is a group of stones that share a common foundation. They share a common foundation. And the stones go up, and then they do the impossible. They go out into space where they should be falling down, and yet thanks to the keystone and the alignment of these stones, individual stones, the strength of that Roman arch is incredible. Now, had one of those stones decided it wanted to get out of line, you know, that that alignment as the arch goes over, it looks pretty good, but I'm kind of an eccentric. I like to be off to the right or the left. That arch comes down. And the interesting thing about the arch, once that keystone is set in place, the more pressure you put on it, the stronger it becomes, the tighter the bond becomes, the stronger the arch becomes. And you know, incredible amount of tonnage can be placed on that Roman arch. And the scripture teaches us that that's what we need to be done. We need to be knit together tightly to be built up, not just for appearance sake, but to be tightly done in the strength, that unbreakable bond. You know, I may not be in deep love with all of you, but brother, sister, We're going to be side by side at the feet of the Lord Jesus through eternity. We should be as one of those stones in line under the direction of the master builder on his foundation. And by being in that position, we are lending strength to each stone adjacent to us. And that is how we're built up, in love, in the bond of the Holy Spirit. Edification is an important part it's not to be neglected. It's not to be let someone else do. When we see one another, you know, my first option is to talk about, hey, uh, what do you think about the patriots? Yeah, patriots are pretty good. I'm not edifying. I'm not edifying. Brother, sister, the Lord is so good. The Lord is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us such a gift. Oh, beginning with your son and ending with your son, Father, but something beyond. Father, you've given us the church, that body of believers that is alive. And Father, that ought to serve thee, that ought to be knit together in love for the purpose of edifying one another, for the purpose of bringing glory to your son and not shame to his name. Father, we pray that you will work in each of our hearts. Show us the importance of fellowship and of building one another up in love. Oh, Father, what a gift. We thank you for all these things in our Savior's name. Amen.